Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I chat with Catholics, Protestants, atheists, and agnostics about why the world isn't working right now and tackle unspeakable topics that many of us secretly struggle with but won't admit. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. And if you're one of the thousands of people in 25 different countries that listen to this show every single week, I just want to say thank you so much. I appreciate you could spend your time elsewhere. I realize that. And you spend it here and you listen every single week. I can't do this without you. So thank you for listening. Share this with your friends. Share this with your family. I believe our content is exactly what people are looking for right now in this broken world. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist. And I believe that Christians are all the same in our struggles. And we worship the same God and we won heaven. And that, my friends, is more important than the differences in our theology. So let's stand for a, work that's, uh, a world that's unified, right, under one God. This show is created for you, the believer or non-believer who struggles with the question, why on earth am I here? What am I here for? Today, our featured guest is Teresa Anderson. And Teresa is, I'm going to pull the title here, Director of Development at Salesian Youth Center. And Teresa's been on the show before, and she's joining us a second time. And I'm so excited because she got so real last time. And she's a storyteller, and she's good at it. And Teresa works with the Salesian Sisters, right, of St. John Bosco. So these are nuns, right? They wear the habits and they wear sneakers and they play with the kids and they get down and dirty and I love it. And they're such joyful sisters and I get to, um, you know, be friends with, with some of them myself and, and I just love them and what they stand for. Um, their mission statement at solutionsisters.org is it is not enough that you love the young. They must know that they are loved. And I think we are living in a world right now where people need to know that they are loved, not just by others, but that they're loved by their God, by their creator. So, Teresa, we're going to get into this conversation before we do go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro. Well, we, uh, the sisters, it's so true. They absolutely love the kids. And to see the faces of the kids in the youth center, these are kids who are, you know, straight off the streets. They are um, kids that come in here ages five to 14, and the sisters are working very closely with them to help them have individuals in their lives who really care about them. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, uh, the kids are, um, what would you say as far as uh, their status in life? Are, are they coming uh, from broken homes financially? Most of them are from bo broken homes. Most of them are beyond the poverty line way mm. way low and many of them don't even have parents in their lives it's just that they have a guardian um you'll find some of them in the convent at night um eating supper because they have had no um no one to pick them up and mm. so then the sisters help them get home wow yeah so this is exactly what we're talking about right these kids need to know that they are loved right yeah. especially when their environment and the world is showing them that they're not Right. And that's, Absolutely. I, I could see why you do what you do. So Teresa, take a minute with us and share something personal. Very few people in your business life know about you. Something quick. What do you got? Um, I, uh, I absolutely, I spend so much time trying to juggle between work and my children. And I will spend a lot of time just because I love the sisters so much that um, working the evenings trying to juggle my three kids and um, work as well. I can imagine that 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 can mess with your head sometimes. It's like, yes. 
here I am putting it right. You're putting in all the time for these kids that are not your own. Right. And meanwhile, it's in conflict or it's a sacrifice with your, your own flesh and blood that are waiting at home for you as, Absolutely. as, as your children. Right. So I get that. That's, that's powerful. So Teresa, let's get right into it in 60 seconds. Why do you think the world isn't working right now? I think that there's a lot of um, awful things happening in the world. I think that there are, you know, sadly, people are not turning to God and listening to him. I feel that, um, you know, if they would, if they would be able to see the blessings that God gives them and actually be able to witness it and have more faith, it would uh, really help the world to be a better place. Mm, I get it. Now, I think it's easy that for us to say that we love God, but it's really difficult to trust him, especially with our lives, with our future, with the unknown. Why do you think that is? Um, I feel like many of us are fearful of him and maybe we're not doing enough to live out our faith. Yeah. I get that, you know, and it's, it's, it's so difficult. It's like I was raised in a very strict, uh, overly Catholic home, right? And uh, my father, God bless him, man. He came with awesome intentions and he wanted to create a, a holy family. And he came right out of the Marine Corps in Vietnam. And unfortunately, he brought that Marine Corps training and he combined it with Catholicism. And, and talk about redundancy, right? It was like strict on top of strict rules and discipline and everything like that. And unfortunately, like through no fault of his own, I grew up creating this story in my head that God was not a loving father, but God was right. a tyrant and a dictator. Sure. And I had to perform in order to be loved. And I had to perform sure. well in order to be loved. And it's like, to, for me, that has taken most of my life to literally cancel out that story and get that that's a lie. And that came from the enemy, um, you know, to make me feel unworthy. And so that I wouldn't get and really live that my identity is son of God, the father. Right. And I am loved regardless, loved regardless of performance. What shows up for you there, Teresa, as daughter of God, the father? Um, you know, I feel the same way. I feel that um, unfortunately the same kind of thing happened as I was growing up, even though I knew I, I felt very close to him until I was, um, you know, seven years old and had my turning moment. So I really feel that the same sort of thing happened with me as well. Got it. Yeah. And I think, you know, BC nation, if it also happened with you, welcome to the club. You know, it's like, we're all broken. We don't get to choose our childhood, but we get to choose the meaning that we give to it and what we're going to do with it in our lives going forward. So today our topic is a hot one. It's hot. It's so hot. I don't even want to touch it, Teresa. Right. But today our topic is the rosary and the rosary is boring and pointless. And, you know, for those uh, that are listening right now and, um, and you say, what's the rosary about? Well, the rosary is, uh, Teresa will go into it better than I, I'm sure. Um, but it's prayers uh, through, the, through the intercession of Mary to God, right? And uh, for you out there, if you're not Catholic and you think Catholics worship Mary, please understand Catholics do not worship Mary. That is a lie. That is not what we believe. Um, there is only one God we worship, and uh, Mary is his mother, and God holds her in high esteem. So we venerate her, and just like any good mother, she gets her way with her son. And she has a special way of speaking to her son that we can't. 
And uh, that's why we go to Mary sometimes when um, we feel maybe God isn't answering our prayer in a timely manner. Um, and we go, Mary, could you go tap on your son and, and say it in a way that he'll answer quicker? You know, wrap it up in a pretty bow like only you know how. So I don't want to step on any toes here. Um, let's get into the topic here. Teresa, how does this topic, the rosary, personally impact or resonate in your life? Oh, my goodness. You know what? When I was a kid, it was absolutely boring and pointless. My parents, <laughs> once a week, my mom, every Friday, had us kneeling at the edge of the bed, and we prayed it together as a family. Mm. I didn't like it then. I thought it was crazy. Why are we doing this? We're saying the same prayers over and over again. And as I got older, I realized, wait a minute, there is a reason for this. And it doesn't need to be boring and pointless because you, Mary is there answering, uh, interceding for us to Jesus to be able to say, you know what, I am his mother and, you know, to be there and the miracles of Mary that have come and signs that I've seen by praying. Um, my son opened us up to... Um, how important it is now, you know, in our crazy life, we're so busy, but my middle son, Joseph, when he, last year, he was seven, he was eight years old. And one night we were sitting there and I was like, Kali, why, why am I still hearing him in his room? I walk in to find him in bed and he goes, I'm just praying the rosary. And I felt because I was going in there to get onto him. Why aren't you asleep yet? And he's like, I'm just praying the rosary. And there he was with his rosary beads. And I'm like, you know what? It's such a beautiful thing to see that and very important in our lives. Mm. I can imagine what you felt, right? But yeah. tell us, what did you feel as a mother when you see your kid, regardless of what prayer he's doing, whether it's a rosary or just, you know, straight prayers or whatever, like how did, what did you feel when you walk in with like that frustration, like he's needs to be in bed. He's, you know, he's, He's not performing well as a kid, no, right? And, I, I cried. And you go in with yeah. that, right? And then what's going on inside of you and you see him praying to his- You know what? I cried out of the beauty of it that he is, I'm sitting there saying, okay, is he a lot closer to God than I am? Because here <laughs> he is as a child, as a child, and he had learned it in school, you know, that, that it, how important it is because they, they help teach them and say, you know what? It is important. It's not- something that you're that you should be dreading doing and here he is with his faith that seems so strong as a child and uh, I went and prayed the rosary myself that night <laughs> mm. so Teresa help us with this right for all of us like me that are broken we have broken childhoods and uh, the rosary as Catholics was forced on us it was just forced on us as yeah, kids and, it, and and just like you said it was boring and pointless and we were forced to do it yeah um, help us to see the meaning that you see in it now where you said, Hey, it's not boring and pointless. You know, this is, this is the new meaning I got. This is where I transform my mindset. Help yes. us to see that. Speak to that. Would you, you know what? I'm a firm believer in seeing the signs and blessings that God gives us. I am a firm believer in it. And to be able to say, you know what, here we are, we pray it. And I honestly believe that it helps uh, it really helps with, you know, being able to say those prayers and being able to, you know, know what our needs are at that point and being able to see um, Jesus work his miracles and Mary through Mary's intercession. 
I love it. I love it. So just to clarify for all you non-Catholics out there, Catholics do not believe that Mary is the source of power, right? She is the vessel, the perfect, pure vessel that God chose. God chose. So be careful how you judge, right? God chose her, right? And so, you know, she's the vessel. She's not the source of anything, but she points us to her son. Absolutely. Points us to her son. And who does her son point us to? The father. Right. And it's this perfect unison of love and the Holy spirit is the love in between them all. Right. And I think it's beautiful. Um, you know, how do I want to say this? How do you think Teresa, most people misinterpret, you know, the, their understanding of the rosary, whether they're, they're Catholic or they're not Catholic, even as Catholics, like how do people misinterpret their understanding? Well, the biggest thing that I've seen over many, many decades and many years is that, they think that we worship Mary. And it, it bothers me so much because the way it was described to me as a child was, you know what, we have a prayer group on earth. Why can't we have our prayer group in heaven? You know, where she's interceding for us, where she has a special place. I was just talking about this this morning to one of our supporters about how, you know, as, as your mother, your mother is always there for you. Your mother is always there. And in this world, in this, you know, life with, with God, with Jesus, he is always going to say, how do you treat my mother? He's not going to want somebody that says, okay, let's, um, you know, oh, Mary's horrible. Mary is terrible. Let's just completely ignore Mary. She was chosen by him to, you know, to uh, have fulfill, him. Fulfill salvation. Absolutely. Right. Without her, yes, salvation Absolutely. wouldn't have happened. You That's know, this it. this is powerful conversation right here, and and I could do a whole you know episode just on this you know for an hour or two, right? Um, you know, someone said it to me this way. Uh, we're part of a men's group, and um, we're studying this. And they said, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, whatever, when there was kings and queens and all this stuff, um, there was a role that the king's mother had which was called the queen mother and the queen mother was royalty and the queen mother was almost um the way that you got to the king right so if you you needed a, a favor from the king or whatever you didn't have the audacity to go straight to the king like if you wanted that favor granted you would go to the queen mother you would present your case present your request the queen mother would then take it to her son, who is the king of the kingdom, mm -hmm. and present it in a way um, that really uh, put favor on him saying yes. And you were more likely to have your request granted by the king if it went through the queen mother. And everyone in Absolutely. the kingdom knew this. Yeah. Everyone knew it. So she was held in such high esteem. And the king would hold the wisdom of his mother in high esteem. So this is how Catholics view Mary, the mother of God, as this. She is the queen mother of the king. She is not the king, right? She you is the it. queen mother. And if you want your request to be favored, then present it to the queen mother. Please, Mary, take it to the king. And also, you know, some of my, uh, my female friends, they have found such connection. Absolutely. Female connection, um, speaking with Mary and, and just as a woman. That's and it. And saying, you understand 
what I'm going through here on earth. You went through That's these it. things as a mother, as, as uh, you know, a spouse. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the struggles I'm going through as a mother and as a spouse, you get me. You got it. And I think God presents his mother for us to speak with um, because it's not because he needs it. We need her. You and especially it. for all his daughters out there, they need um, to relate to a woman. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That doesn't mean they can't connect with God, but man, it just makes it that much better. Yeah. What do you want to say to that real quick? You know what? The first thing that comes to my mind is look how many times she's shown herself over past history. You know, the miracles that have been granted through her and that we have the ability to visit places, you know, to be able to see. And there has to be other ones that have happened that have not been, um, you know, designated as, as miracles because, you know, if she was creating if these miracles were coming about, you know, there's plenty of others. And to be able to witness that and to see that she's still, you know, doing wonderful things, that should make all of us get on our knees and pray the rosary, you know? Love it. So Teresa, what part of this, uh, of praying the rosary do you sometimes still wrestle with? Um, getting started. <laughs> getting started is always um, the hardest part for me because you know, it's, I, I struggle with the whole, okay, let's sit down as a family and let's pray. Or we're driving to school in the car and, you know, we turn the radio off and we're like, oh gosh, this is, I still do the whole, we're so busy. Let's, you know, and trying to find the time to sit down and do it. And it's not that long when you think about it. Who can't give, you know, 15 to 20 minutes to, to God to be able to pray the rosary? And I think that's my biggest struggle is, oh, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. And I need to just make that jump to say, it's that important that we need to do it. I you get know? that. It seems like I only do it when I need something. And that's not right either. I should be doing <laughs> to honor her as well. Well, welcome to the human race, right? <laughs> I, I, I think we all do that. It's like we, we very often view God as the genie in the sky when yeah. we need something. Um, you know, my sister, um, she lives close by and, and she has five kids and she homeschools them and God bless wow. her uh, for that. And, you know, my sister, uh, they pray the rosary every single day, right? They the kids grew up with that and it's just their way of life. And my sister is like, every time I see her, she's in this um, frantic busyness, I would say, uh, yeah. just as a, as a mom. And what they do to create workability in praying the rosary so that it's never neglected is sometimes they'll do a decade um, for that day rather than an entire rosary. But they do it as a family uh, or sometimes, many times they break up the, the whole rosary into five separate uh, time slots throughout the day. And by the end of the, the night, they completed a rosary. So they did, wow. you know, um, whatever, five minutes, right, to do a decade. Sure. They did it in the car, you know, in between, you know, the stores. Yeah. And then, um, you know, three hours later, they did it another decade, and then etc. before dinner, and then after dinner, and then, you know, um, they finished up with the fifth decade. And I've got that's to experience great. that. And I was like, wow, that's so much more workable. Uh, yes, absolutely. Then finding, well, we need a 20 minute block. Yeah. That I got to fit into my day. And it gives us the excuse, like you're saying to, to go, I'm, I'm too busy. I, we can't yeah. fit 20 minutes in, but all of us can easily say I could fit five minutes in. 
or three it. minutes in, right? So That's breaking great. it into small digestible prayers, I think is awesome. And the other point I just want to make on that, I used to think, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Teresa, but I used to think that uh, the rosary was all about prayers um, to and through Mary, right? And it was all uh -huh. about Mary, right? And what others have shown me is that, Joseph, the mysteries are all about Christ's life. It's all about Jesus. So right? we're, we're meditating on the, the five different mysteries of Christ's life, right? Yeah. His passion, his death, and his resurrection. And yes, we're doing uh, you know, these re repetitious prayers to Mary in between as we're meditating on her son. So even the rosary itself is always pointing us to Christ, always Absolutely. pointing us to Jesus. So I just yeah. want to throw that in. So what is the one thing you want the world to know about praying the rosary and the importance of that? And we'll wrap up on this. Oh my goodness. You know, I just think that again, so many, so many miracles we've heard from it. Um, I think that it, again, I still struggle with the whole, um, you know, say it more often to honor her versus just to ask for something. Um, it's beautiful to watch children. My son, again, Joseph, who's nine years old this year for Lent decided that he was going to on his own. I asked him where he learned of it from. And he said he came up with it himself. Um, he's writing a letter a day. So he has 40 letters that he is doing and he has me mail one out every day to somebody he knows that says, and he says, I'm praying for you today. Today is your day. And so he writes something special in there to him. And then he says on his own at bedtime, a decade of the rosary, kind of like you were talking about, about your sister and breaking it up. And I thought how beautiful. And I thought last night, now Lent, how, how long has Lent been already? And I thought last night, golly, why aren't we doing that with him to pray, to pray it with him? And we really should be. And so that's my hope for the rest of Lent is to, you know, just to do it to honor Mary as well. Isn't that amazing? You, you have like this little spiritual leader there in the household. Yeah. It's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Love that. God bless him, man. That, that, that boy is going to have a powerful life. I just sense it. I, I pray. <laughs> this is awesome. So if you're just joining us now, we're speaking with Teresa Anderson and Teresa is the director of development at the Salesian Youth Center uh, here in Tampa, Florida. And she gets to work with all the young uh, people and all the sisters and nuns that take care of these kids uh, that come from broken houses, broken households and broken families. And their number one mission is it's not enough that that you love the young, they must know that they are loved. And, and that's what she's standing for. So uh, Teresa, we're about to enter the confession round. We're gonna do this again. <laughs> you were on the show a little while back. Um, I've changed up the, a few of the questions for you so it's not so static for you. I'm okay. gonna ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Are you ready? Uh, sure. All right, Teresa, what's your favorite thing about being an adult? My favorite thing about being an adult is, um, being able to make decisions for myself and hopefully the right way that God wants me to. Got it. Teresa, what's your least favorite thing about being an adult? Um, probably the same thing, having to make decisions. <laughs> Got it, right? The, with great power comes great responsibility, yes. say, right? <laughs> Teresa, when you were a child, what did you not want to be when you grew up? What did I not want to be? Um, any kind of, of um, safety person, uh, police, uh, fire rescue, anything like that. <laughs> Got that it. Me. 
If you could be anyone just for fun for the next seven days and trade places, who would you trade places with? Anyone? In I the would world? trade places with, oh gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I would probably change places with any of the sisters um, to see what their, you know, how joyful their life is even after the kids are gone, after they've worked hours and hours a day. Wow. That's kind of cool. What do you wish you were better at? Oh my gosh, everything. I want to be top notch at everything, but I know I can't be. <laughs> so if you had to pick what one thing, what would um, you want to be speaking at? speaking on the radio. <laughs> like right now? Yeah, like right I think now. you're doing a fine job, right? Thank you. <laughs> cool. What dream are, are you scared of pursuing? Dream that I'm scared of pursuing? Um golly, that's a tough one. Um you know I don't make these easy, right? No, it's not easy. And it's going long over three seconds. Dream? Yeah, what's that dream that maybe you're scared of pursuing? Um, I don't, I, I, that one is tough. Got it. All right, <laughs> no problem. Uh, what makes you smile more than anything? Oh my gosh, my children. Absolutely okay. love them and yeah, children. And what secret fear do you have about people? Secret fear about people is that they judge me too much. Mm. Yeah, I think many of us get that. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world, what would you remove? Cancer. Got that. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Um, it would say, hopefully, that I've made a difference in many people's lives. Very cool. Teresa, when you die, what's the first thing that you would like to say to God when you arrive through the pearly gates? Um, that I love him very much and I hope he doesn't hold any of my sins against me. <laughs> well, listen, if you're getting through the pearly gates, you've been washed yes, clean, right? So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, got it. See how our mind messes with us? Yes. <laughs> it just like it tricks us with all these lies. That's so true. And Teresa, last question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? Always love God and don't worry.